First John, the book of First John. We're in chapter two. We've been going through, trying to give you an exposition of the book, put things together for you. Well, it's good to find out that even as Christians, when we sin, we can confess and God will forgive. It's good to know that even though he doesn't want us to sin, if we do, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he's the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. What a Savior. What a Savior. Then we find out we're not supposed to love the world, neither the things that are in the world. For all that's in the world, the, lust, the eyes, the lust of the flesh, pride of life is not of the Father, but it's of the world. Don't fall in love with this world. Don't let it become attached to you or you become attached to it. Everything you see is going to pass away. No matter how nice it is, you can buy a brand new Tesla. I saw it this morning. It's red. It's pretty. You can buy you a brand new Bentley. You can buy whatever you want to, but after a while it's going to smell like french fries. What did he say? <laughs> All right. Just never know what's going to happen in a Baptist church, do you? <laughs> so we found out, don't love the world. We also had pointed out to us that uh, the world passes away. And that terminology, passeth away, literally has the idea that it's passing away now. It's going to be passed away in finality, but it's in the process now. Uh, the world seems to be coming unhinged, if you ask me. Uh, we're getting stranger and stranger and weirder and weirder. We'll talk about a few of those things today. But picking up at verse 18 with our reading, Little children, it is the last time. And as you have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they'd been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest or revealed, opened up that they were not all of us. But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and know all things. I've not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. And by the way, the biggest lie, and we're going to see it here in just a moment, is denying that Jesus is the Christ, and we'll develop that a little bit. Who is a liar? But he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ, he is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. Let that therefore abide in you which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye shall also continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. May we pray. My Father, I ask that you'd help us today to rivet our attention to the Word of God. We've enjoyed singing. We've enjoyed laughing some. We've enjoyed talking about 
birthdays and anniversaries, highlights in people's lives. And Lord, as we think about those things, we want to think about those who are having health issues, Christians, uh, grandfather, Keith Potter, different ones having health uh, problems ongoing. Pray that you might minister grace to them. Uh, pray for Kendi Ramirez, who's been dealing with some breathing problems, and Peggy Ham with back problems. But Lord, I'm so grateful we're going to a place where there won't be any problems, where health issues will cease to exist and all will be peace forevermore. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. It is the final hours. That's literally what that means. It's the last time, the last hours, not the last years, the last decades, the last hours. In other words, time's short. We don't know how long we have. Uh, we're not going to uh, remain in the state that we're in now, that's for sure. God's not going to let this thing keep going. The uh, preterists, and I have run across a couple of them recently, have the idea that what we're doing right now is going to go on ad infinitum, that there is no end. I, if I'm reading the Bible correctly, there's coming an end. And there's going to come such an end that the church, New Testament church, is going to be raptured out. And there's going to be a seven-year tribulation period here upon the face of the earth. And then Jesus is coming back again and set up the millennial reign of his, of his father David. And he'll sit on the throne there in, in Jerusalem and rule and reign for a thousand years. And then there's one more attack upon the holy city and it'll be dealt with. So we're in the final hours. It is obvious that the apostles themselves held the belief that the Lord's return was nigh. They probably went around like we do, looking up just any minute. He's coming, ready for the Lord to come back. Uh, the word for time can mean, I've already mentioned this, can mean hour. So short time frame. But this Antichrist, you've heard that Antichrist shall come. Even now are there many Antichrists whereby we know that it is the last time. There will be one personal, supreme Antichrist. We read about him in the book of the Revelation. We know that that's going to take place. But there are Antichrist attitudes now in our society in which we live. Uh, they mock, they ridicule, they make fun of. And the word anti can mean instead of Christ. So they, the Antichrist is not necessarily in the sense of opposition openly as much as trying to supplant and take the place of Christ in the mentality of believers and in the mentality of the world. But we have an unction from the Holy One that will keep us from falling for that lie. Amen. The devil's counterfeit, the instead of Christ. Look in 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, we see the word Antichrist. Verse 22, we read it there. He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Chapter 4 and verse number 3. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist. Look in 2 John, verse number 7. For many deceivers entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh, this is a deceiver and an anti-Christ. So the deity of Christ is a huge issue. Uh, the virgin birth and the bodily resurrection are the two pillars upon which our faith resides. And at the virgin birth, uh, at the virgin conception, let me push it back a little further than that, at the mo moment of conception, 
in the womb of Mary, then there was what we call the hypostatic union. He was 100% God and 100% man from that moment on. He didn't become God. He was God. He didn't become uh, the Son of God. He's always been the Son of God, but he, he robed himself in human flesh that we could become more acquainted with him. It wasn't the idea that he didn't know us. We didn't know him. And so he came down here and, like I think it was J. Vernon McGee said, he put a face on God so we could recognize him. Darkness seems to be prevailing. We're going to talk about the dark a little bit today. Darkness seems to be prevailing. It's just amazing to me what's happening. And uh, you, you, know, you see these pictures of these folks in, that are teaching in public school systems, not here, thankfully, that are all out uh, LGBTQIA and trying to ram that down the, the uh, throats of the, the young people. Listen, can I make this statement? I'm going to whether I can or not, or whether you permit me or not. Uh, School is no place for the teachers to be dealing with the sexuality of the students anyway. That's mom and dad's uh, purview. The schools ought to butt out and stay away from that. But it's the teachers' union. That's where the problem comes in. Uh, the NEA, and the NEA is all pro-abortion. Uh, they ought not have anything to say about that. They're for education. They're not trying to kill the kids. They, they need to educate them. But the NEA is all pro-abortion and those kinds of things. Darkness seems to be prevailing. The word for darkness is skotia. Skotia, S-K-O-T-I-A, if you write it in English letters, and it means opposition to light. Opposition, and surely this world's that way. Robert, uh, James, uh, John James Lias, who died in 1923, wrote this, In every age, there are certain antagonistic influences at work, working against the divine person and purposes. So the, the attack that we see today on Jesus Christ is not anything new. It started as soon as you go back to the, to the birth of Christ when uh, Herod tried to destroy him then and sent the soldiers and they killed every child two years old and younger uh, there in that, that area. Well, this Antichrist is yet to come. That's a future event. In the book of Daniel, and I'll read a few verses to you. In the book of Daniel, chapter number 8, we see a little something about the Antichrist. I'm glad I'm not going to be here to meet him. I'm not going to be here when he's ruling and reigning. The church is going to be raptured out of here before that takes place. The rapture is pre-trib. Not, we're not going to see him. And we spend a lot of time, I, I know, on the Antichrist. But the fact of the matter is, we're going to be gone. So for us, it's just informational use only. Chapter 8 in the book of Daniel and verse number 23. And in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors are come to the full, a king of fierce countenance and understanding dark sentences shall stand up. And his power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. And he shall destroy wonderfully, and shall prosper in practice, and shall destroy the mighty and the holy people. And through his policy also he shall cause craft to prosper in his hand, and he shall magnify himself in his heart, and by peace shall destroy many. He shall also stand up against the prince of princes, but he shall be broken without hand. Now, I realize there's an early fulfillment in, in Antiochus Epiphanes. I believe that's the early fulfillment. But the basic future fulfillment is there's going to be an Antichrist who's going to attack the people of God. 
Anti-Semitism is ungodly. Matter of fact, you ought not be a racist of any kind. If you don't like black people, you need to get that right with God. If you don't like red people or yellow people or whoever else they may be, but the Jews probably have been more persecuted than any other people on the face of the earth. They've been chased from one side of the known world to the other. They've been hated. They've been sold. They've been attacked. They've been slaughtered. And uh, after World War II, uh, they, you know, they couldn't get uh, loose from England. They just kept pushing and pushing. And finally England gave up on them and, and uh, said, we'll give you your land. And then wouldn't arm the Jews. And they were surrounded by millions of Arabs, Muslims, who planned on attacking them. Well, those of us who have done a little study in history know that at the end of World War II, the Czech uh, uh, government had uh, probably millions of German Mausers because the Germans had lost and they had used the Czechoslovakian manufacturing to make those guns and so they were returned to Czechoslovakia. And so when, they, every, when the Jews were trying to arm themselves, nobody would arm them. Czechoslovakia said, hey, we got a lot of guns. You want some? And so they sold weapons and the very guns that were used to slaughter them during World War II, the weapons they used to defeat the Muslim armies when they were established in 1948. Don't tell me God doesn't have a sense of humor. <laughs> Second Thessalonians has something to say about the Antichrist as well. Second Thessalonians chapter number 2. Now, 1 Thessalonians deals with the rapture. 2 Thessalonians deals with the second coming of Christ. In chapter 2 and verse number 8, And then shall that wicked, capital W, be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders, with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion. They should believe a lie that they all might be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure and unrighteousness. There's coming a personal antichrist who will declare himself to be God. He'll step into the rebuilt temple about mid-tribulation and declare himself to be God and, and require that men worship him. So oh, nobody today would do that. Well, just go to North Korea. They worship their leader. They sure do. Atheism is the worship of, of mankind anyway. Worship man's intellect. Uh, we're not all that smart anyway, and we'll... I got, I'll show you some things about how smart we are in a minute or two. The duration of this last hour, these last times in which we live, is unknown. We don't know how long it's going to be. I jotted down a, a bunch of verses, but I'll just kind of give you some. Uh, this know also that in the last times, what perilous times shall come. We're perilous. I mean, here in Atoka, we had this massive robbery where they stole 100 guns, you know. And uh, that's gangs arming themselves. Uh, they don't go buy guns. They steal them or they get people to buy them for them and all kinds of stuff. And so we live in perilous times, dangerous times. I can remember as a kid playing on the streets in Memphis till you know, midnight, as long as we were under a streetlight and Mama could see us. And we'd play and play and just have a big time. I don't think I'd advise that now. I'm not sure that there's any major city in America where you are as safe as we one time were in, in bygone years. We live in perilous times. There's less respect for human life now than there's ever been. 
And some folks have the idea, I don't care you know, how young I die, I just want to enjoy while I'm here. You know, the old saying, live fast, die young, and have a good-looking corpse. But I want, to, I want to die old and shriveled up and ugly. I'm not interested in getting shot out on the streets. Y'all better not say about me being old and ugly already. I'm on this side of 70. I'll be on the other side after a while. The Bible says the Lord Jesus Christ himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. We're going to be surprised. We ought to be looking, but we're still going to be surprised. The end time church, the end time church, anti-Christian philosophy will give rise to a church where man is the focus. The Laodicean church is the church that's rich and increased with goods and has need of nothing in the book of the Revelation. But we're already worshiping men, men's intellect. Uh, you get certain ball players and people just, you know, they just wow about them. And uh, some people who sing music, folks are just crazy about them, do dumb stuff, uh, take their clothes off and, and yell at the guy who's singing. Just, I mean, insane things to do. Pagan. That's what pagans did. Remember in, in the uh, book of Exodus when the Jews... Uh, began to worship the golden calf. Moses is up on the mount and they're worshiping the golden calf. What did Aaron make them? Naked to their shame before their, their neighbors. And yet that's exactly where we are today and what's going on today. It will involve the worship of famous men, but above all the spirit of man. Already people are pushing a, a type of man-woman worship through the farce of gender fluidity and personal pronouns. You can tell me that you're a woman all day long, but if you got a beard and an Adam's apple, you're a man. And I'm not going to bow at the altar of what you think you are to satisfy you. I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to play that game. I don't think any of us should. Uh, if you want to be called a woman, that's your, your problem. And, it, and by the way, it's wrong. It's, it's sinful. It's not it's not just a, a difference of, of style. So it's sinful. If God brought you in this world as a female, you ought to be happy to be one. You say, well, Christianity pushes down on women. Are you nuts? Have you ever read the Bible? Why, in the Bible, under times when women normally didn't own property, the five daughters of Zelophehad, when they went into the promised land, Moses had already told them, yeah, you, we need to give land to them. They have to marry inside their tribe, but they, they had land ownership. It's specifically spoken of. And when you get into the New Testament times, womanhood was elevated. Motherhood was elevated. Up until that time, women had been treated as chattel, as, as something you, you owned, something you traded and swapped. But, but Christianity elevated womanhood and, and put motherhood, I think, high on a pedestal. The goal is the perfection of humanity through the progress of science. That's what this thing is, this movement's doing. The spread of knowledge. <laughs> Follow the science, they tell us. You know how rapidly medical science is changing? Used to be every five years, it doubled. I remember when they were talking about two, two and a half years, it doubling. I thought, great day. Medical knowledge now doubles every 73 days. Every 73 days. 
they find out something that changes everything downstream. I looked it up in several different places, uh, got some resources for that. Knowledge in general, just what the average Joe knows, is doubling every 12 months. They are predicting it will eventually double every 12 hours. I don't know what we're going to do. I'm having a hard enough time with what we know now. 30 years ago, when opioids came out, you know, hydrocodone, oxycodone, all that kind of stuff, it's not addictive. Take all you want. You won't get addicted. Take all you want. And now we're fighting and battling and struggling with a generation that's become addicted to the very thing that medical science said is not addictive. Follow the science. (laughs) My wife doesn't like this one, but I love it. Margarine was proclaimed superior to butter. We have found out that Margarine is one molecule away from being plastic. And butter is better for your body. It can digest it. It can assimilate it. Butter has good things. And so we eat butter at the Weems house. I'm not buying no margarine. Fake butter. But they proclaimed it better. They, they said that saturated fats added to cholesterol. They've now found out that doesn't exist either. Follow the science. Well, how do you follow science when science keeps changing so much? The Bible talks about science falsely so-called. Yet, when we begin to talk about creation, they all unite together and say, no, the science doesn't teach creation. You know, maybe theistic evolution. No, listen, if God could make anything, He didn't have to make it in some kind of amoeba form and wait for it to change. If he can bring anything out of nothing, and he did, he spoke all of it into existence as it is now. We weren't knuckle-draggers. We walked upright. We talked. We spoke. Adam was a pretty sharp guy. He named all the animals. And we're still calling them that. Say, how do you know? Because we're still calling them that. We have lived to see the rise of what's being called evangelical atheism. It's a group of high-placed atheist scientists who have declared that religion is the problem in the world and it is their goal to erase Christianity. Robert Dawkins, Sam Harris, Christopher Hitchens, Stephen Hawking, who's gone now and probably figured out by now that he was wrong. I got news for them. They're not the first ones to try. (laughs) We'll be here when they're gone. According to the book of Hebrews, when God gets through with everything he's doing with his universe and folds it up, puts it on the shelf of accomplished purposes, he will still be and so will we. Now, back to our text. Verse 18. There's a warning. There are many antichrists. Some ancient antichrists were the disciples of Simon Magnus and Nicolaus, where you get the Nicolaitans. Some folks believe the Nicolaitans were uh, that clergy, laity idea where you had somebody above you and some, you know, we had to interpret the scriptures for the poor laity. They couldn't understand the Bible. Aren't you glad you can go home, pick your Bible up and read it, and you and the Holy Ghost can understand it? The Ebionites, they reduced Jesus to a mere man. The Corinthians 
taught that the Christ came on Jesus at his baptism and left him at his crucifixion. That's, you see the kinds of heresies that were being pushed and promoted? We've talked about the Gnostics. We dealt with them some uh, in this series. But the Gnostics taught, it, you know Jesus, and then you have to have this special knowledge. We have this secret knowledge that you have to have. But they also taught that Jesus was not God in flesh. He was an emanation from, or uh, an eon is the word they use. Like we talk about the eons of time. But it was like an emanation. So one step away from God, then another step away from God. And finally you'd get enough steps away from God that whoever this person is could be material and yet communicate with God, but he's not God. Well, we, we know what the Bible says. Jesus is God in flesh. But those heresies still exist even today. I've already mentioned John James Lias. He lived 1834 to 1923. This is what he said about antichrist activities. He gave a list of them. Disrespect to authority. Well, when I was in school, if you smarted off to a teacher... They would take you to the office, and the band played Who'd Have Thought It while you furnished the music. <laughs> Impatience of restraint. Nobody wants to wait anymore. They're not willing to. Contempt for moral absolutes. Brother, what a day we live in. Unchecked license of speech and thought, even on the most sacred of subjects. Now, I've got a Facebook page, and I have a Twitter slash X page. One thing I've noticed about Twitter, buddy, they'll cuss on there like you had never seen. So I have to skip a bunch of stuff. And they will mock some of the most precious things. That's the day in which we live. Disbelief in revelation, even of the existence of God. In other words, a rise of atheism. And those who declare themselves to be non-religious people in America have doubled over about the last 10 years. We're at about 20% or somewhere around there. Scheme, listen to this one. Schemes of public plunder called socialism in opposition to Christian position. Listen, the Bible is a capitalist book. It teaches if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. So if you want to eat, you work. Well, that's not socialism. Socialism is you don't want to work, we'll take care of you. Got something problem with you that you know, makes it difficult for you to pick your fork up, we'll figure out some way to feed you. I mean, that's the society in which we live. If, if the prodigal son had lived in the society in which we live, folks would have figured out a way to feed him and make sure he was close so he wouldn't have to come back home. Nihilism. Belief in nothing. A lot of Russian young people are involved in that. Much of Eastern Europe's sucked into it. It's the absolute reversal of all that has been hitherto held sacred among mankind. There's just nothing, they say. You just live and you die. You're like a bird. You fly around a little while, you fall out of the tree, you're dead, it's just over. Nothing. Carl Sagan believed that. He was a brilliant man. And he said, it's a shame that when I die, all my knowledge, everything I've known is just going to go out to the universe and float around and nobody will have it. What a sad way to live. Antichrist. 
Verse 19 and 20. They went out from us, but they were not of us. On that Twitter slash X, I was reading a little post, and it was said, Pastor turned stripper. And I thought, you got to be kidding me. And it was a, a woman. I, I won't use the word lady. Ladies don't take their clothes off out in front of people. But she's a woman, a fairly attractive woman. And she had been a pastor for a period of time, raised, she said, in a very strict Southern Baptist home. And she said, what the, I finally did a totally nude shoot, photo shoot she's talking about. said, I felt so great and so liberated. And I thought to myself, you don't realize what you've done. That's not liberty. That's not liberty, that's sin. <laughs> Trying to draw others in. Ryan Bell, Seventh-day Adventist pastor, said, I'm going to take a year off without God and see what it's like. Well, now he's just thrown off God altogether. You can watch YouTube. There have been several mega pastors who have come out as atheists. No longer believe in the Bible. It's all false, yada, yada, yada. That's those that are leaving. We've always had that. Greg Locke, some of y'all may know his name. Greg Locke used to be an independent fundamental Baptist. He Up around Mount Juliet, somewhere around Nashville area up there. He has now gone full-blown Benny Hinn type of ministry. Where he's healing people. You just have to watch some of that stuff. Craziest nonsense you ever heard in your life. You've got spouse demons and porpoise demons and octopus demons. Let me tell you something. When I got saved, I did not get a demon hunting license. They didn't give me one when I graduated Bible college either. I don't think we need to be going looking for demons. What we need to do is just preach the devil out of people. But he's gone off the deep end and he, he wrote a book attacking Benny Hinn. Now he went and apologized personally to him and asked for his forgiveness. And Benny Hinn's the fellow who said one time that each person in the Trinity was its own Trinity. There's nine of them, folks. He said that. Now he's since retracted, but that tells me he's making his theology up on his feet. He hadn't thought that through. Well, they left the Christian church. What did they do? They rejected its doctrine. Look in the book of First Peter, excuse me, Second Peter chapter two, just a couple of pages away. Second Peter chapter two, verse nineteen. While they promised themselves liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome of the same as he brought into bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. You can get you a pig and dress it up all you want to. You can clean it real good, get it nice. You won't ever get where it doesn't stink, but you can get where it doesn't stink too bad and put a bow on it if you want to and turn it loose. It's going to find a mud hole. Why? Because it's a pig. That's what pigs do. Now, I know they got these pot pigs people use as pets. We used to have some in our neighborhood. They just ran free. 
They'd come by the house every once in a while and you'd stop and pet them. And off they'd go. But they smelled like pigs. Looked like pigs, so I figured they were pigs. People who leave the Christian church and reject are putting themselves in a bad place. Do you remember the fellow by the name of Judas Iscariot? Betrayed the Lord Jesus. What did Jesus say about him? It would have been better if he'd never been born. Been better if he just never existed. Leaving truth is called apostasy. According to 2 Peter chapter number 2 and verse number 1, But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. Let, let me explain the difference to you between heresy and damnable heresy. We're, we're Baptists, and I'm not trying to defend a name, I'm trying to defend doctrine. We could hang any name on us we want to, it's what we believe that, that's critical. We believe that baptism is only by immersion. We believe that it does not wash your sins away. It's evidence that you are given to the people. I've, I've been saved. I'm buried to my old way of living. I'm raised to walk again in a new way of life. Now, I have some friends who don't believe you ought to baptize it by immersion. They believe you ought to just do it with sprinkling or pouring water. That's a heresy. It's wrong, but you don't go to hell over that. But if you start teaching, you've got to be baptized. The only way you can go to heaven is if you've been baptized. That's where your sins are washed away. That becomes damnable heresy. I may be ignorant of something in the Scriptures and be wrong on it. That'd be heresy. It's heterodoxy. It's the idea that I'm not lined up. But if I'm going to line up with the Bible, I have to understand that, that there are things that are non-negotiable. If you don't believe in the blood of Christ and washing your sins away, then that's, that's a damnable heresy. The only way to go to heaven is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The virgin birth, the, the sinless life, the sacrificial death, and the bodily resurrection of Christ are essential truths upon which we do not negotiate. It's not like, well, we're going to, this person's position, they, they deny the blood. They, I can't countenance that position. I can't say that that's a reasonable thing for people to believe and begin to debate with them from that point. It's, it's, un, it's unnegotiable. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunge beneath that flood. Lose all their guilty stains. Not in the baptistry, you see. So damnable heresy. They accepted heresy. Acts chapter 20 and verse 30, Paul talks about grievous wolves arising from inside the flock and damaging the flock. Isn't it amazing that these folks always want to go to a place that's already functioning, already a church, and then try to take people out of it? I mentioned my Sunday school class, and I want you to be aware of this, one of the first signs of a false teacher is they're trying to pad their pocket. Now, I'm not opposed to 
paying the, the oxen that's treading out the corn, none of those things. But if you get somebody who wants $65 million for a new jet, you probably got the wrong preacher. So when y'all going to buy me one? <laughs> I don't want a jet. It's just, it's, it is ridiculous. I mean, it's laughable till you recognize it's based on damnable heresy. People are going to hell over what these people are teaching. Because they don't confess that Jesus is Lord of the glory of God. It's good to believe in Jesus, but then you got to have this. That's Gnosticism. Exact same thing. Oh, you got to, being saved, trusting Jesus is good, but you got to have me deliver you. Well, see, that puts me in the catbird seat. And false teachers always do that. This is new. You've never heard it before. I've even known some Baptist preachers try to go that route. There's nothing new under the sun, according to the book of Ecclesiastes. Well, there's tares sown among the wheat. And the tares come up and they look like wheat till they start bearing. And then remember in the scriptures, they said, Master, should we go out and rip up the tares? And he said, no, if you do that, you'll do some damage. Just leave them alone till I judge them. So they went out from us, but they were not of us. If they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us but you have an unction from the holy one and you know all things the unction that we have we're not going to have time to finish this thought today but let me just develop a little bit of it the anointing that we have is the indwelling of the holy spirit of god at the moment of salvation you are indwelt by the holy spirit of god at the moment of salvation you are sealed unto the day of redemption that's, those are permanent things. So we are, this anointing that we've received, in, in the Old Testament, you anointed a man to a special office, to be king or something else. Remember when they anointed David in the presence of his brethren and Jehu, different ones were anointed. Oil was used to soften the skin. It was used for food. I like olive oil on, on a salad. It's really good. Gets you some Modena uh, vinegar or red wine vinegar or something like that and, and put some olive oil on there. Ooh, that's good eating. It was also used to give light. They burned lamps that, that drew olive oil in the temple. So we have inside of us all the satisfaction we need. We have the Spirit of God who, who is, is complete. He's everything. It's not like we got a piece of something when we got saved and we're picking up more pieces as we go along Sanctification is progressive, but salvation is, is instantaneous and permanent. And you got all the salvation you're going to get the moment you got saved. So I've been saved 25 years. You're not any more saved now than you were the day you got converted. Hopefully you're more Christian. Hopefully you're more godly. Hopefully you're more mature. But salvation is an, is an, an accomplished act. So we have an, an unction from the Holy One, and we know all things. The indwelling of the Spirit of God alerts us when we hear false teaching. He warns us when we run upon that which is negative. You ever heard a song being sung and you go, there's just something not right about that. There's something off in that. We got one in one of our green books, the old church hymnal. It talked about our, I want to know more about my Lord. And the, I think it's the third stanza says this, He promised when his soul ascended, I'm coming back, the Lord did say. Did you catch the heresy in that? 
He promised when his soul ascended, he didn't go up in the soul, he went up in the body. He had a, a real, physical, glorified body. So that song's got a, a heresy. Then the one that Pastor Taylor's family's laughed over so much is, is father-in-law and mother-in-law. But ain't it a shame? And it's got this song, ain't it a shame to do this, ain't it a shame to do that? And then they had one, ain't it a shame to lie on Sunday? And then the course goes, and you got Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Ain't it a shame to lie on Sunday? Uh, just a little problem. I, sin, still sin on Tuesday like it is on Sunday. So we have, when we become believers, we may not know how to describe it. We may not know how to define it. We may not uh, understand fully what's going on, but we sense in our spirit and our soul something's amiss. It doesn't add up. It doesn't seem to fit the Scripture. I don't have to know everything there is to know in the Bible to go to heaven. I think it was Gypsy Smith. He tried desperately to join the church, and he failed two or three times because he couldn't answer the questions they were asking him. But he finally got enough knowledge, and they said he just kind of skated in but Gypsy Smith kept studying and studying and studying, and finally Gypsy Smith would off times before service got started just let people ask any question they wanted, and he'd give them an answer. And that was a guy that could barely join the church back in those days in the 1800s. I'm glad, thank the Lord, we don't have a theological test today. It'd be tough on us. Now, let's kind of summarize things together. Let me give you couple of things quickly. The importance of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God is that's how we grow. We're supposed to grow in our faith, grow in our knowledge, and that happens because the Spirit of God's inside of us. Secondly, denying the deity of Christ is a deadly sin. So that means Mormons. That means Jehovah's Witnesses. It means Christian scientists. It means Rosicrucians and Ekankars, some of these other weirdos that come along. Hinduism, Shintoism, Chaoism. All of those are wrong because they deny the absolute deity of Christ. We believe in an exclusive Christ, not an inclusive Christ. He is truth exclusively. I'm the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus said. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Then thirdly, the comfort of knowing the truth is immeasurable. Oh, it gives me peace in my dark times. You ever sin since you got saved? Maybe twice. Maybe twice every second. <laughs> Aren't you glad to know that your Father doesn't throw you away? Isn't it good to retreat to some place where you can just be alone and Lift up your voice and your heart to God and say, Lord, I'm so sorry. I don't know why you put up with me. And if we could hear him, he'd probably say something like this, I love you. He doesn't just forgive us because he loves us. He forgives us because Christ paid our sin debt. But he loves us enough he's not going to let anybody snatch us away. It gives peace in dark times. It gives hope. When facing death, one of these days I'll be facing death and so will you. That could happen quickly, we don't know. The mechanics of death is what troubles us. But if I 
have an extended time. I, I pray God gives me courage and I'll be able to look you in the eyes if you come by and say, I'm on my way to heaven. My friend, Dr. Billy Canoy, he had cancer. He didn't, he didn't even know what hospital he was in. I managed to get him on the phone. A friend had stopped by and told me he was sick. And I said, Dr. Canoy, I, I hear you're, you're sick. I'm sorry. He said, well, Brother Weems, I'm going to heaven. Not going to be here much longer. And he said, I'm in the hospital in Greensboro. And I said, no, sir, you're not in Greensboro. You're not named the city he was in. He said, oh, well, I may not know where I am, but I know where I'm going. <laughs> and then the indwelling we have gives us courage to face the world. The world's against us, sometimes fiercely so, sometimes just totally so. You know, we live in a sinful, sin-cursed world. If you buy a car nowadays, you buy it because it gets you a sexy woman. If you buy this, it, it, every, our, our society's become so sensualized. They're sensualizing our children. Man, when I was 12 years old, girls had cooties. Now, that changed rapidly from 12 to 14. But we have, we have pushed on our kids decisions and thought processes they should never be making at their age. And the indwelling of the Spirit of God gives us courage to stand up and speak out. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one's looking about. They went out from us that they might be made manifest, they were not of us. You could be sitting here today and say, Preacher, I've never been saved. I'm not a Christian. Well, we'd like for you to be. Whether you ever join our church or not, we want you to go to heaven. That's more important than being a member of First Baptist Church, Watoka. No comparison. Would we have someone slip their hand up and say, Preacher, pray for me, I need to get saved. I'm not right with the Lord. I know I'm not. I need to be saved. Anyone at all while we wait just a moment. Would we have a Christian that would be honest and say, I've not been listening to the Holy Spirit inside of me. I've been living to suit myself instead of living to suit God. Would you pray for me? Would you slip your hand up and hold it a moment and say, I want to live for the Lord and I hadn't been. Anyone at all while we wait a moment. Let's stand our feet. God bless you. Thank you. Appreciate your honesty. My Lord, I pray that you'd speak to hearts as you'd see fit. During this invitation time, Father, would you draw us?